This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Cracking open to the intensity of feeling every conceivable emotion throughout the unpredictable expansion of ayahuasca every time you take her in. Letting one's eyesight transform into portals of a kaleidoscopic landscape where you decipher the flow and disturbances of each human frame that sits in a circle around you. Honoring the epic, insanely sacred responsibility of creating spiritual and physical safety for every being that surrenders themselves into your loving care. Holding court over a tribe of spiritual warriors, expressing the bravery of doing the deep, frightful inner work that allows each being to witness and integrate their shadows and their superheroes. Being the guide, the protector, the tone setter. Working with the spirit world in sacred partnership. Developing immovable bonds with guides, totems, and guardians. Holding space for humans experiencing the horror and glory of an ego death and inevitable rebirth. Bringing them out the other side with grace and love. Managing freakouts, egoic projections, and all manner of outbursts. Knowing that everything is always unequivocally okay. Valerie Atelli's interviews Tina, Kat, Courtney, the author of Plant Medicine Mystery School, Volume 1, the superhero healing powers of psychotropic plants. Kat Courtney is the afterlife coach, a traditionally chained ayahuasquera and huachumera, carrying the Shipibo, Conibo, and Chavin lineages. She works as a ceremony guide, psychedelic integration coach, and death doula. Kat is an enthusiastic advocate for reverent and safe plant medicine experiences and is a passionate messenger of how to co-create magic without trauma in psychedelic spaces. If you'd like to work with Kat or join her in a sacred ceremony, meet Kat at afterlife.coach. Here's the interview with Kat Courtney. In your own words, who is Kat Courtney? <laughs> That's a big question. Well, in the localized sense, Kat is a being just wholly dedicated to connecting humans to the consciousness of plants. So, uh, you know, I'm an unlikely plant whisperer with a great passion of uh, allowing the power of plant consciousness to permeate our individual and group consciousness more 
so that we can heal and be happy and know the truth of the the universe. Mm -hmm. So that in a nutshell, that's what I stand for anyway. And I never heard it that way. Plant consciousness. How would you describe that, Kat? Yeah, that they're alive and sentient plants, not in the same way that we are. They don't have egos and minds and levels of consciousness that we access, but they have their own magic, their aliveness. There's a lot of even um, scientific studies of plants having sleep cycles, knowing when there's danger, you know, and Mm. and they're, they're more than just food medicine or you know backdrops to nature they're they're very much sentient so that's the piece that that I'm 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 a teacher of and a student of to people is to treat them as such that we are in relationship with them not just consuming them I have to breathe on that one because yeah I see everything as um, a living thing there are levels right which is interesting when we talk about consciousness in levels is that what we refer as duality, separated wholeness? Absolutely. I mean, I think duality is defined by the fact that we are human beings that have both the minds that experience separateness mm-hmm. and our hearts that experience unity. So we're unique in the realm of consciousness, as it seems anyway, that plants and animals and even minerals and inanimate objects, they're conscious, they have energy, but they don't experience this contrast of duality the way that you and I do. Mm -hmm. So that makes it both really difficult to be human and also really special and powerful. For sure, unique. Wow, it's almost like the... uh I usually say the impossible. How can this be? How can we have conversations like this and be aware of this separation? Because we are whole, everything is whole. How can this be? So that's the human experience of being life. And I wonder how this happened. (laughs) I usually ask the question. (laughs) I don't know if we can answer that. But do you wonder how did this happen? The human mind and, and body. How did we come to be? Maybe not the body, because the body was just the organism, but the mind. Oh, it's the piece that is so endlessly fascinating. And the yeah. only answer I could really come to is that consciousness, whatever you, if you call it God or source, mm. created an experience of separation with human beings so that we could consciously experience unity. So, you know, ah. plants, animals, rocks and whatnot, they're in that state of consciousness where everything is unified, but they don't necessarily have a contrast of knowing what it's like to feel the illusion of separateness. Mm. So that's the only thing I can come to is somewhere along the way, consciousness was like, hey, let's split, (laughs) create the illusion (laughs) of it so we can deeply and consciously appreciate (laughs) the feeling of unity. It's genius. It's way beyond what my little mind can can wrap around. But that seems to be the only answer I can come to is how this all came to be. How can we realize that there is no ending to this experience or maybe the experience of being human, but not the realization that we are everything and no thing? Well, one of, I think the most powerful ways we can provide evidence to ourselves around that is when we look in the mirror The consciousness that is looking back has not aged. Mm. Our bodies have. Maybe we've become more 
wise and mature, but there's a timelessness about the consciousness. I love looking into the eyes of of infants before their Mm. egos are formed. It's pure consciousness. It's timeless. So we all have that in us. That's why as we get older, we're like, whoa, what's happening to my body? I still feel like I'm a kid because that part (laughs) of us isn't aging. And so it gives us this sort of tangible reflection of, wait a second, maybe this whole idea of beginnings and endings and time is a mind construct because it feels just safer to put things in a boxes, but it Mm. isn't actually what we're experiencing on a conscious and emotional level. So the evidence is there. It's just hard to look at it because it, it, it tangles up the mind. The mind doesn't know what to do with that. It's like, what do you mean? There's no beginning and ending, but it feels true. Would you say that the antidote to today's realm of truth or true seeing, as some say, is kind of losing the grip of fear, not having fear. Would that be the way, Kat? Yeah, I think so. Because the the plants that I work with have taught me that there's only one thing in the universe that dies, and that is resistance. Mm, That's it. And that comes from fear. Right. Where we fear something, we resist it, which right. is, you know, just as a force, as we know. Yeah. But it isn't actually true. The fear of it, it becomes an experience that feels true. But whatever story we've written around it isn't the truth. And so when resistance dies, we have access to the truth. And I love that expression. Wow. It's the only thing in the universe that dies. And thank goodness it does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. I never heard it that way, too. I love that. How did you come to these um, realizations, understanding? Uh, you sound very clear to me. Before the interview, of course, so you already sounded <laughs> uh, from what I read. So, yeah. How did you come to be you in this state? Well, for me, the path of the spiritual awakening path has primarily involved working with psychotropic plants like ayahuasca and San Pedro and mushrooms. Ayahuasca is my main one um, because they're kind of a fast track into accessing consciousness outside of a, you know, a normal like state. Right. And not to mention a lot of amazing spiritual teachers and meditation practices and all kinds of things in that realm too. But it's the plants that have really given me a tangible experience of, you know, this idea there is no ending. And But it's through facing the darkest parts of, of my shadow too, of accepting the whole spectrum of consciousness. So in other words, it's not an easy route to go into altered spaces to discover what is true, but it has been effective for me. I'm very grateful. Is that for everyone, Kat, or some people more prone to this kind of healing journey than others? Yeah, it's such an intense process at times that it's not for everyone. No, um, there's a lot of different mental, emotional, physical things that we work with, even injuries that don't go well. It becomes at some point abusive to do Mm -hmm. plant medicines if it's creating more trauma, which of course it can. So it's not required. It's one of many paths up the mountain, so to speak. Uh, But I'm excited in the 20 years I've been doing this, it's amazing how many people are waking up and and choosing this as a path way Mm -hmm. more than I ever thought would occur. But no, it's definitely not for everyone. So uh, I guess my next question is, how do we know when we are a good, let's say, student of plant medicine? 
Is there a way of knowing? Yeah, I think so. There's a couple things. I mean, from a, a logistical perspective, we know because we don't have any of the health issues, we're not on antidepressants or have, you know, a history of heart disease or things that our body would create to prevent the experience being safe. Yeah. Also on a, you know, in a, a mental and emotional space, we want to have some level of stability. By no means do we have to be perfect yeah. and happy. No, of course not. But yeah. some strength, some stability to handle a, a potential existential crisis. You know, everything mm -hmm. we thought we knew to be true right. might get turned upside down. Right. You know, so if those things are in place, there's also this element of a calling And I know for me, when I heard the word ayahuasca, everything in me lit up. I had no idea what it was, but I knew I, I needed to know, like, what is that? And I hear that from everyone who comes to the medicine, that there's a calling of sorts. Like if they've heard of it, you know, maybe they tried to put it aside and they can't stop thinking about it. It keeps coming up. Mm -hmm. So there's this, this soulful sort of calling that when you feel it, you sort of know it. It's like, ah, it's kind of like falling in love. I mean, it's hard to describe logically, right? Yeah. But when we feel it, we know it. The same is true. And we're called to work with a plant consciousness like this. It's, it's tugging at us. And, and I feel like we can trust that. I love how you, you say that often, uh, the feeling of it, feeling, feelings, right? I mean, they tell a lot. We are telling stories all the time with feelings, but they are just there for, to show us the way in a way. I mean, we can't be humans if we don't feel <laughs> so that... We try hard not to, though, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, avoiding right. it. Yeah. And you're right. There's so much wisdom. And I even yeah. love the, the word emotion because it shows that it's energy in motion. Right. But if we're repressing it and we're not feeling those emotions, well, then all kinds of dicey things happen. But there's so much wisdom. It's not easy to ride that wave, but it's incredibly rewarding. If, it, if it's truth that we're seeking, if we really want to know ourselves in the mm. world, well, emotions tell us more than the thoughts in our head. What is spirituality to you and how is it different from religion? Well, to me, there's nothing that's not spiritual. You know, mm. I love the expression right. that right. we're not human beings having a spiritual experience. We're mm. spiritual beings having a human experience. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. the fact that we wake up every morning, you and I, in a body with a localized consciousness called cat Yeah. And Valeria is like, what? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Happen? Amazing. You know? <laughs> yeah. It's so it's just the, our very is. existence is so magical. <laughs> it's spiritual. Yeah. And the difference between that is in religion is religion has a lot of um, structure, rules, rigidity would be a good word. And it, yeah. every religion is spiritual, by the way. I mean, it fits in. Yeah. It's just religion sometimes wants to tell the whole story by only showing one chapter of mm. the book and saying, that's the whole story. No, right. it's part of it, but it, it's never the whole thing because we can't even begin to articulate the whole thing. So mm. religion yeah. is more in that rigidity where spirituality is like so fluid. It's like everything is spiritual. What is true power to you, Kat? Oh, great question. So I like to delineate between the idea of power and empowerment. Yeah. So power to me is a human condition where we're claiming power. You know, like if my ego tries to take 
uh, like responsibility for something magical that happens in my life. Yeah. I know to keep her in check. Yeah. <laughs> However, when I'm focused on being a vessel that channels divine energy, that is in communication or, or a relationship with the magic of the universe, I get credit for that, of working hard to be that vessel. But that's empowerment. I'm letting it flow through me and co-creating rather than taking credit for it. I am not powerful. I am empowered. That's how I like to look at it. Mm. You know, not to say I'm not strong. I don't have superpowers. But at the end of the day, the magic of the universe is not mine to claim through my ego. Mm. It's but it's mine to dance with as it is with all of us. So I like to focus on empowerment over power because it keeps my ego honest, basically in check that it's not coming from her. The question that came was about the ego, that word. To me, like anything that we do, this is not, we are not doing anything, but life is doing it. So there's no ego. We cannot have ego. It's not possible. From my perspective, that's what it comes to me a lot of times, because everything is life, is what we call the divine or the universe doing. So there's no one there to do anything. Even <laughs> if we claim, that seems to be like uh, the illusion part of it, the claiming mm -hmm. that there is someone. So yeah, talk to me for a moment about that illusion of the self, cat of being someone. It's the big cosmic joke. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because that's what makes yeah. us think we are born and we die yeah, right. and that things are personal. Yes. It's this, the, the language I like to use for it, it's like an operating system that we think is the whole computer. It's just taken over up there. It's an experience that we have, right. but it isn't an actual being like you're saying, right. you know, my identity is, is an imagination. <laughs> it just feels real. So right. the way though, that I have learned to work with that, because I do honor that it feels really real, it that does, each yeah. of us are individual and that we have separate identities is I like to think of my ego as my teenage daughter. I am there to mother her, to nurture her, to keep her in check so she doesn't go off on some crazy tangent, but not to, to, to kill her or to make her wrong for thinking she is who she is. So it's, it's basically, I imagine it, a, a passing of control from the ego to my heart. Now I want my heart to have the steering wheel, but it's my job to love and nurture this part of myself that is a lie. It's a lie. But it's a beautiful lie. It's okay. We all got one. We're all playing in that. So there's nothing wrong with it. It's just to keep the the control away from that space that is false. And that that's the source of suffering. So that's what that does for us when we learn to, to parent that part of us as we start to crack the code of suffering. Because we're not separate. We're not alone. We're not even what we think we are. <laughs> but so to, do, to, to, to do that in a harsh way creates more suffering. It is what we are. It's real and not real at the same time. So it's the, the one and the billion in one. It's just being one thing at the same time, isn't it? One dance. There's no separation, but it, wow, that's fascinating. <laughs> Even to think about sure feels the real. mind. Yeah. <laughs> the mind can't get it. <laughs> Cannot understand that. And it never will. And that's why I feel like they, everybody's minds deserve a heck of a lot of compassion. Because that part of us will never fully understand the totality of who we are. It doesn't fit through the eye of the needle, so to speak. And what an incredible like role that our minds play to allow us to have the experience of who we are in totality. But that part doesn't get to 
come to the party of unity consciousness. So that's like, that's a big deal. This is a fun question from my perspective. So let me ask you, what do you love most about being in a human body? Oh my goodness. I think honestly, it's what we're talking about, the opportunity to experience contrasts at the same time. The in incredible spectrum of consciousness that's available in a human body because I can be raging angry and blissed out happy mm-hmm. at the same time <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I'm really honest with what's happening and that's amazing the opportunity to be so incredibly conscious I feel like that's why you know I, I, I and all of us chose to take a body is contrast creates an intense realization of both sides of the spectrum. And I mean, I feel blessed every day I wake up that I get to be conscious, even if it's crazy and intense as our world is now, more so by the day, by the minute. But what a gift to get to experience it. Because if you ask me the meaning of life, I think that's it, is experience, Mm. is to come and be conscious and to play and to feel and to experience Mm. the whole spectrum. Mm. So. I mean, I'm, I feel pretty blessed to get to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You made me think about experience being the destination somehow. This is what is this life is all about, as you said, the experience. That's what we came for. Yeah. Right. Wow. So this is the miracle <laughs> happening right <laughs> now. Yeah. How amazing. Yeah, I feel the same way. That feeling comes to me too, Kat. Um, very often, not throughout the whole entire day. It could if I'm by myself, alone, or talking to you people, amazing people. But then around my husband and out there and other things, then it kind of comes and and goes. I lose track of that miracle. And then the attention goes elsewhere and then it becomes distorted. But it's always there to be rediscovered. That's what's so unconditionally loving about the experience is when we want to come back to love, to awe, to gratitude. It's Mm. always there. No matter how distracted we become, that is magical. Thank goodness that's true. So you wrote the book, Plant Medicine Mystery School, Volume 1, The Superhero Healing Powers of Psychotropic Plants. It's a mouthful. (laughs) Yeah. Talk to me for a moment about the inspiration and the intention of writing your book. Yeah, well, the, since it's volume one, the intention, the focus was very much about how I described, you know, my identity. It's about specifically the psychedelic plants and their superhero powers, their abilities to help us humans remember who we are as superheroes, as omnipotent beings. And it, it, it breaks each of them down into their unique personalities, their challenges, their archetypes, you know, how they best work with, with us as individuals when uh, our intentions match each of these plant medicines. So mm-hmm. it's really a book about their individual personalities. That's fascinating. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> Please send me a copy. I will. Thank you. Do you have a date, a release date Can't for your book? Yes, it's at the end of this month. We're actually just finishing up the audiobook. So in just a couple of, of, of weeks, so it'll be the end of August, uh, it will be released. Wonderful. I'll add that to the podcast profile because I would love to have that there. And also you are a afterlife coach. 
and shamanic life coaching for shadow work, spiritual crisis, and the preparation and integration of plant medicine. Talk to me about the journey or the experience of going through the process in what you do. Like, um, for example, if I wanted to be one of your clients, how would that work? How would you decide what plant to use and that it's something that comes from me as an inspiration? Or, yeah, how does it work, the process from the beginning to middle and end, if there is an end? <laughs> yeah, there, well, there isn't really. That's actually a good point. But I treat the whole relationship as a partnership. So yeah. this is never me dictating things. It's uh, I like to imagine like when I'm in partnership with the client, we're detectives on mm, a soul yeah. hunt, <laughs> yeah. finding what, you know, because our spiritual paths <laughs> are all completely unique. So there is no formula, but yeah. it's my role to put on the hat with the light and go into the cave with you and say, <laughs> okay. What are you working with? What feels like the next step? So especially when it comes to working with any of the master plants, some of them are, are psychedelic, some of them aren't. And so sometimes it's not even required to work with something like ayahuasca. You can work with rose oh. or lavender, you know, but yeah. it, that all depends on what each individual is working with, what they hope to get out of a relationship with a plant consciousness, what is most painful, what is most exciting. And then, you know, there's a, the expression, there's an app for that. I like to say there's a plant for that. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> right. We match that up <laughs> and then that becomes, you know, the kind of foundation for the work together. So, Alaska, you said is your favorite um, plant medicine. So, why is that? Why did you choose or it chose you? And what is to um, the term Awaska shaman? Is that something that you have created? No, that's actually a title that has existed for thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I feel like I'm not even yet mm -hmm. at the level of owning that title. Sometimes I just call myself an ayahuasca facilitator. Shaman's such a big word. Mm -hmm. But what it means is that I have studied uh, the ancient lineage. In my case, it's a it's a tribe called Shipipokanibo uh, in the Amazonian jungle of Peru. And I studied with uh, people from this tradition to learn how to work with ayahuasca in a ceremony setting, uh, guiding other people through this experience. So, uh, yeah, she's she chose me. And I say she because yeah, the yeah, vibration that. of this plant is so feminine <laughs> and it, it is a it is a partnership. I chose her in return, but it's like any relationship. Yeah. It's mutual. Uh, she's not easy to work with, but uh, she. <laughs> She did literally save my life. I was in deep need of healing almost 20 years ago. And it was this plant that pulled me out of my misery and suffering and illness. So it's my honor to work with her and other people to help them crack the same code. It works for what kinds of issues per se or traumas it, it can clear or release, Kat? All kinds of issues? or yeah. A long list. Yeah, but I would say primarily uh, people dealing with trauma, dealing with uh, blockages in the body, you know, how the body stores all of the, the small and large traumas that we face oh, yeah. in life. And so Aya, she helps to move that out and to change the way we relate to things that, that have happened to us. Um, and she's also amazing about really connecting to our spiritual side. You know, the thing about, we were talking about remembering the consciousness inside of us that's timeless. Yeah. Uh, the best way I can describe it, it's like 
taking a 30,000 foot view of ourselves, Uh, like being in an airplane looking down at the earth. It looks entirely different, right? Than it does when we're here on the ground. Ayahuasca provides that, is this huge, like expanded view of who we are. Can it be taken in micro doses in a sense of not having the the full dose at once? (laughs) Absolutely, yes. Yeah, that's a great question because that's sort of something new that Westerners have sort of created that I think is beautiful is the recognition that a full cup isn't always the Mm. deepest act of self-love. Sometimes we got to ease into this and it's just as profound, the subtlety. So absolutely, Mm -hmm. you know, people can, can choose to work with the medicine in small doses or come to a ceremony and only have a little bit. Uh, it's, it's beautiful just to honor our sensitivity and what helps us feel safe. There are no rules. So that feels good. Is that something that some people choose to do on their own? And would that be okay? Or it's always best to be in a safe environment with somebody like you who has the experience and the knowledge to guide them? Yeah, because she's so, so powerful. And we never know how sensitive we are. We might think a small dose equals a small experience, and that's not always the case. (laughs) So we, you know, I highly advise people work with, especially ayahuasca, amongst all the psychedelics, she is, is potentially the most powerful. And therefore, you know, you need to have somebody who has your back and who knows how to navigate these mysterious spaces if it's your turn to have a dark night of the soul, which we never know. Mm. So yes, now can you microdose her in in a in non you know guided ceremony? Yes, but you still want guidance with somebody that can help you not only make sure that that what you're working with is safe, but to also help you make sense of what the heck is happening. Mm-hmm. Because ayahuasca works with the subconscious. It's very much like the dream space. It is not in any way obvious, typically, what's coming through. So it's just helpful to get the maximum, you know, experience benefits out of out of the relationship with her to work with somebody that has a deep understanding of her communication and, and who she is as a plant spirit. On your website, you say, we are not taught in our culture that it's safe to feel our emotions in our bodies. And that's so true. More in our heads, the right? And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So We're taught true. it's not safe to do anything but to, to, to actually go in and feel it. So yeah. this is kind of a, a loss of wisdom we have mm-hmm. as our as our culture, because as we were talking about, there's so much information in there, but yeah. we've been taught to think our way to enlightenment yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't work. Right. So, yeah. There's a blog post titled Committing Suicide After Ayahuasca. We need to talk about this. So is this mm-hmm. something that people should be concerned about, the possibility of losing the body? Well, I don't like the, the to spread concern necessarily, yeah. right. but awareness, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. because it yeah. speaks to how big the potential experience is. As mm-hmm. I mentioned, it can take everything that we thought we knew and turn it upside down. And for some of us, that can feel devastating. For some of us, that feels incredibly empowering. Oh, oh, thank goodness, my stories of limitation and sadness and suffering aren't true. But for some of us, that's it's devastatingly difficult to to deal with that and to face our demons. Because, like, I'll give a quick example: if someone comes in as an alcoholic and they drink ayahuasca and no longer have a desire for alcohol, they may now have to contend with the pain Mm. that was causing them to drink and to self-medicate to begin with. Mm. 
So it's, as you know, the healing process Mm -hmm. is dicey and intense. And so it's really important if you feel called to do this work to have that support because you never know when it's your turn to hit a really difficult dark night of the soul, a curveball in your journey. And it's helpful to know you're not alone. You're never, ever the first person to face whatever it is. And there's always a way through, but we have to let that in. So that's kind of why I wrote that blog post is, yeah. is to normalize that sometimes it's difficult in the healing process and that there is help available. If we can reach out and hold on to each other, it's there. And that's, that's exactly, that's the reason why suicide happens because of this connection it's missing or this, um, there's a something, a feeling that's happening that you are alone. We are alone. There's nothing mm-hmm. to hold on to, no support out there. And that's the opposite. We can never be alone. It's not the case. I love that when you say that ayahuasca or any kind of um, plant medicine, it's very important that we do around people that are experienced like yourself in safe environments, not by ourselves, because that could lead you to something that's not desirable. It's, It's the hard way. You know, of thinking we have to do it alone and white knuckling our way Mm. through trauma and fear and and possibly becoming self-destructive. I mean, it doesn't ever work. We can't actually destroy ourselves, but it's really painful to go there and try to do that and to face that when when there is help available. But I, I know, too, like you, how tempting, how very magnetic and seductive that space of, of darkness is, of, of telling us we're all alone, that nobody mm. understands. It's never true, but it feels yeah. true if we believe it. There's something that you say that caught my attention, too. You said on your website somewhere, you say, she gives me the magic of watching life's change every day of my life. She gives me mm-hmm. the gift of expansion, of knowing the secret of energy work, of exploring the recesses of my own consciousness and being the vessel for others to do the same. Beautifully written, beautifully said, beautifully everything beautiful about it. Thank, Thank you so you. much, Kat, for being you. It's lovely. Oh, bless you. I feel the same. <laughs> yeah, it's true and, and lovely because sometimes we uh, it, we can be allured by that word, that idea of love, lovely or lovable, and then get ourselves yeah to experience some dark moments. I love the idea of being just knowing the truth straight <laughs> that we could get there, but that is an invitation that we don't need to to say yes to the separated the power of choice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Right. Right. And it really feels like we do have a choice. That's something that I have been thinking about lately, that there's no choice, really. It's just life doing what it does. But it feels and and really seems like we are making choices, but there's no one here that would make any choice. So that is a paradox, isn't it? The wizard behind the curtain that, you know, (laughs) isn't there. The only thing it feels like (laughs) the conscious cat has control over is, is how to relate to what is happening. You know, that's the only choice I really feel is available. Do I want to say yes to this or no to this or some degree of resistance? It's not always black and white, but that's the only illusion of control I can really decipher from the from the perspective of the mind we're not talking from soul here but from the mind 
is, is, do you want to say yes and accept that it's happening? I mean, saying no doesn't mean it's not happening. It's still happening. That's right. It's still <laughs> happening. Yeah. But that's, and, and that's the job I give my mind is when I feel pain, fear, resistance, et cetera, of like, sweetheart, lean in, say yes, it's here. That's the only thing you can do to mitigate the suffering. And it feels so much more expansive to say, my favorite expression to say to myself is, well, this is happening. Yeah. <laughs> this is happening. Because oh, it's honest and it, it says yeah. yes instead of, ah, no, not this, or I want it to be some other way. All of that is the, the seed of suffering. That's the only thing I can find that feels like a choice in me. The rest is is the illusion, is just life happening, as you said. Yeah. It feels like a choice, yeah. And, and that's where probably storytelling plays a huge role. That's an interesting place for stories. If we can kind of uh, tell the st that story to the mind, if the mind can buy into it, then it's, um, yeah, less suffering for sure at that level, emotional, psychological level for sure. But yeah, ultimately... It's magic, yeah. It's um, the unknown, the impossible all at once. And I can I even, <laughs> yeah, it's amazing, amazing, amazing. Amazes me, Kat, that we can talk about these things even. I'm always like, I can't believe that we can, the mind can, you know, come up with the words and, and put this together because uh, how can this happen? This is the impossible Even happening. that is magical. Absolutely. And, and it's not as if we really are able to describe it, but we're doing a pretty darn good job of trying. So to celebrate that, it's wonderful. I can help it by having a smile and kind of giggle. I don't know who is doing it, but it's just like, wow. It's happening. It is happening. It is happening. It feels interesting. Oh, my God, Kat, that's great. It feels interesting. So we're almost at the end to have these ending questions for you. Would you like to add anything or read a passage from your book? The most important message I have for myself and all of humanity is that everything's okay, that we came here to experience all of these polarities, all of this craziness and fear and beauty and love. If we, and that most importantly, death is safe. Mm. It isn't the ending hellish, whatever it is we fear it to be. If we could just embody that each of us, that death is safe and that we came here to do exactly what we're doing, we could be so much nicer to each other, mm, yeah. ha enjoy the ride as it is. Yeah, that's, that's the core message in my book that comes from working with these plants. And that's what I ask myself to try to embody every day. So let me ask you three questions. What is another word for life? Consciousness. If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing, leaving the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? Not a darn thing. Turns out <laughs> yeah. I've been doing it perfect all along. <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> yes. Even when you, you thought you didn't, right? You're not doing it. Especially then. Mm -hmm. What are three things about life you wish everyone to know, to have, to experience before they lose the body? Experience of being in love with themselves like truly unconditionally in love with themselves because then that extends to the whole darn universe to know that death is safe, that where they're going when they leave the body is just a continuation of this amazing journey of being conscious. Mm. And I would love for everyone to get to have an experience of plant consciousness. 
and the magic of it and how much there's love and healing right outside our window Mm -hmm. if we just look to it with an open heart. So before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? Mm, Thank you for asking. My website is afterlife.coach. And all over social media, I'm Afterlife Coach. So that's how to find me. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile too, Kat. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Kat Courtney and her work, please visit afterlife.coach. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.